There's a whole crowd of men out there who need this. Welcome to the case study. This case study will be marked down in time. Known to all as the record keeper of the historic rise of the woke man. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Actually, welcome, gentlemen. I don't know if any women will be listening to this, but quite frankly, I don't care. What I want is to see the change in man. Yes, that's hurt. The change in man. This is the Woke Man series, where you hear the stories of men who changed, who laid to rest their old ways of thinking, and who opened up and started expressing their truth. Revealing emotion, strengthening their self-awareness, and breaking free from the old paradigm of being a man. This is going to help men find the courage to open up, to break the shackles of toxic masculinity, and to guide them home in becoming a better man. Let's go. Oh, by the way, it's Luca. Luca Reedy from the Feeling Alive podcast. And The Woke Man is a sub-series. You're welcome. Welcome back to The Woke Man series. Ladies and gentlemen, the greatest case study on man, as I pronounced it at the beginning. I think it's the greatest case study on humans because we're all going through this strange stage of awakening and having to open up a little bit more deep in our uh, senses to what we're feeling deep beneath our the surface of our being and I just want everyone to know listening to this right now wherever you are you're exactly where you need to be and this series has landed on your ears because maybe there's something in here that just needs to make you feel a little bit more safer with where you're at uh, everyone that I interview is on their own journey they've gone through their own trials and tribulations and my intention here is to just share that with you so you can maybe find your next step but today I've got my brother Aaron Aaron thanks for joining me my man Hey, thank you so much. I love trials and tribulations. I definitely wouldn't be doing what I'm doing or sharing what I'm sharing without uh, those trials. <laughs> I know, man. Like, I, you know, I talk a lot about adversity lately as well. Was I couldn't be here without any of the shit that has been challenging. Not that we go look for it and like seek it out, but like a lot of us are naturally just, it's a part of human existence and we, we get faced, we, we're facing it. You know, everyone is probably facing something challenging right now. And, and I think what I love yeah. the series is, and what you just said is that we're, we're here because of it. We're growing through it. We've learned from it. Is that right? Absolutely. I mean, that's what some of the, some of the greatest uh, insights into my own life have come from just getting together uh, with other people under the, with the intention of sharing the difficulties of the journeys that we've come through, right? Wow, what a powerful way to relate. I mean, the humans, we never know what somebody's going through, regardless of what car they're driving, what we see right on the surface. There's so much stuff going on for everybody right now and forever, right? Under the, uh, under the hood. Yeah, man, under the hood. And let's get, let's get into that. But the, first, All right. the first question is, Pretty simple for you, man. Where'd you grow up? Where do you live now? Oh, brother, I grew up in the best place in the world, uh, in the Northwest of the United States. 
about uh, 40 minutes east of the city of Seattle, you know, where grunge yeah. rock and the Kurt Cobain thing happened. So I grew up east of the east of that city, lakes and rivers and trees and the forests. Um, that was my playground. And right now I'm in San Diego. So it's a little bit of a flip of that pancake. On the other side is uh, crispy brown sand <laughs> and uh, beaches. You loving it down there? Sunshine. Yeah, I really do. I love um, traveling to see my family and being in the Northwest. I love getting the taste of those seasons. And right here is um, definitely just gorgeous all year round. Yeah, different beauty, hey? I'm up, I'm up in Vancouver, so I'm in that Pacific Northwest. West, and it's oh, gorgeous. It's so good. It's just real cool. Mm. It, all the leaves are falling off, and I'm loving it. Uh, how old are you now, Aaron? I'll be 42 as of January 10. Beautiful, man. Beautiful. And what are, you doing, what are you doing for a living? Right now, I run uh, virtual coaching programs. Before this whole business that we're in together uh, happens, I was actually running men's groups, doing retreats, and uh, teaching yoga classes and doing some transformational body work in addition to, to coaching. But now, you know, coaching is my full time. Yeah, beautiful, man. Beautiful. Um, tell me one thing. What's one thing you're really good at? Oh, wow. Being humble. <laughs> it's, well, you know, sharing, sharing what I'm good at, I like to just be what I'm good at other than uh, talk about it. That's just a part of my own personal growth path. Yeah. Uh, when I was a little kid, I would talk a lot. But, you know, I seem to be gifted with the natural sort of ability. People just feel they can share with me like they're deep stuff and they're dark stuff ever since i was a child people would come to me i was the kid that would be you know shooting hoops and out in front of the garage or just playing in the grass and the neighborhood kids whether they're on a bike or walking by they would stop see me and they would make sure to approach me and tell me some things that they were going through that they were having a hard time with. And I was able to sit with them and be with them in that and give them comfort, and maybe help them see a way that they could deal with it constructively. I mean, ever since I could remember, you know, I'd be maybe seven years old. Mm, interesting. It's interesting that yeah. obviously the path that you're on now, man. That's yeah. right. What's one of your biggest fears right now? Do you have any fears? Hmm. I mean, my biggest fear is simply my relationship to fear. Uh, for whatever reason, that, um, that sort of fear, that just subtle little anxiety that I'm going to just screw something up or, or with my girl, or with my relationship or with my business, I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to make the money. I'm going to be poor and broken. You know, that, that story, that is, that is a sort of vibe that I wake up with and I'm with very frequently so i dance with that all the time and uh i think that is there's fear with me often and i don't know if it's like a singular biggest fear it's just a relationship that i've uh built in my psyche that i'm working to sort of make my disciple and use it in a way that shows me where I'm out of integrity or what I'm not doing, or maybe the questions I'm really not asking. Uh, so my biggest fear is starting to help show me uh, the way forward right now. Mm. 
appreciate you sharing that, man. How, how for someone who's listening right now, who's you know got some certain fears that, that are quite prominent in their life, how, what's something that you would do to help you work through that? Mm. I, I kind of, I, I mean, I teach what, what I do. What works for me is staying connected to my, my teachers. However, that works. Um, you're in the, you're on the West coast near Vancouver, Canada, right? Uh, you have one of the most beautiful luminaries of ancient Vedic wisdom in your town, Jeffrey Armstrong, who, uh, is the founder of the Vedic Academy of Science and Arts that's in, that's in Vancouver. Uh, so if you have an opportunity to, to visit or to, sure, to engage with him, I would sure, I would sure look him up. Um, so what, what I do is, well, he reminds me <laughs> what, what to do often. And, and um, I love to just wake up and, and sit with myself right away. I'll, I'll just drink some water and I'll sit with myself. I'll do some writing and, um, Gosh, like this, this helps me out a lot because that base anxiety, I know a lot of people go dealing with just like a constant sort of tension and, and fear that's going around, but writing out my fears at the beginning of the day, and it's not always fears. Sometimes it's just like, oh, fuck it, oh, fuck, fuck. <laughs> you know, just like some angry, like kind of complaints, but I can see them and then I ask them immediately, is this 100% true? And I'll write that question out. And then if it's usually, it's usually a no, almost always. I don't think I've had a yes yet since I've been doing this practice. And uh, well, if it's not actually true, then, then what is really true about this? And then I can just kind of spin it spin the yarn until it's like, Oh, you know what? I just, I don't really like the way that I'm relating to this thing. And I can, okay, well then how can I relate to that in a way that does feel good? Or do, how can I engage with that? Or do I have to engage with that? Do I have to continue thinking about that? And then I can get to that. No, I don't, this is not what I need. And just like an athlete records his workouts, records his diets, I'm recording my thoughts and I can see them in real time. And then I can make an adjustment day by day by day. And that's how it's worked for me. This little incremental changes have allowed me to have a relationship with my own negative self that is now helping me to make adjustments in my life and move forward rather than just constantly keeping me depressed and in a funk and afraid to like engage with the world or go out somewhere because I'm feeling kind of crappy about myself. So that's that practice right there is really simple, but I would encourage everybody to to use it if you don't have a writing practice already. It just takes a few minutes. Yeah, that's that's handy, man. I appreciate that. I'm sure everyone listening will do that. Will appreciate that as well. The interesting thing is, I was thinking a lot about lately is what in your when you're working through this and you're journaling and you're going through this stuff. What are you? What is your goal? What is your outcome? Like you know everything you do every day. You know, some people say, oh, I'm going aiming for happiness or I'm aiming for this. Mm. What is it that you aim for? Oh, beautiful. I love that question. Um, my main outcome really is just to create the, the dream world that I really want to see. I want to I live. Um, my main outcome is to create more love and harmony in my life, mm. no matter what. So I have a little prayer that I also do. You know, I do some prayer and readings, part of my, my morning routine so that I can 
be safe and sane and as my best self throughout the day. Uh, so I will pray that to just be used in service, right? Like, please, you know, God or whatever archetypes that you connect with, um, higher powers or spirit animals or ascended masters or, or even a river or a lake or a mountain sometimes, right? Like mm. those things inspire me. I, I bring those into my morning prayer and just ask to be of service. It's beautiful, man. I love that. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. What's one of your favorite quotes, Aaron? Mm, wow. Do I, do I have favorite quotes? Well, uh, Swami Vishnu Devananda, um, I stayed uh, at his ashram uh, up in the Kutir. It's, it's way up in the Himalaya. And he, he was so simple. He's just like, you know, health, health is wealth. <laughs> spend, you know, spend it wisely. He himself uh, passed away really as a result of complications of some nervous system disorder. But that guy was full on, man. I mean, he was... What do you mean full on? Uh, well, for example, he was just a Swami. He's an Indian Swami. He learned how to fly a plane and flew it over the Berlin Wall when that, like, you know, fascist communist regime was separating the parts of Berlin with the, with the wall there. Flew it over their airspace. I was just like holding up flowers and was forced to land. Like they were going to shoot him down, but they saw this Indian man. They're like, Oh, what do we do? This guy's like a funny looking Indian guy with stars on the front of his plane. <laughs> He's holding a flower. Like, what do you do? Like, make him, make him land. So they, they forced him to land and he did. And, um, he, he, within minutes, he was like having everybody laughing. Everybody was taking pictures with him. You know, he's wearing his robes as he gets out of his aircraft. And uh, he was really just a messenger for, for peace mm. and health. Mm. That's beautiful. And uh, yeah, he, he took on the world's karmas. He's have that hat, you know, believe in karma. Mm. Well, he, his goal was to absorb through his work, through his nonstop, round-the-clock work, to absorb the world's karmas, negative karmas, negative behaviors, by putting himself in harm's way and doing whatever it took to bring a message of peace to people. Wow, man! What, what a, what a man! Like I, I know, yeah. That like to take on people, and you hear stories in like you know books of re past life regressions or you know near-death experiences where you talk a lot about like how people's f souls different souls take on karma for other souls so they didn't have to experience it i've heard some stories like that and that's just a tremendous way to come in and and not to say that has to be for everyone but it's like does that perception perception to say i'm gonna take as much pain off you as possible because i know what to do with it and i'm gonna get rid of it yeah that's Speak that. Isn't that amazing, man? I love that. Yeah. Um, what's a conscious man to you, Aaron? Mm. Wow, I think a conscious man is a man who exercises his greatest gift of cultivating his own life, his own faculty, and uses his own direct experience to make decisions on what's right and true. Mm, very much in their power sovereignty do you feel like you're in that space <laughs> i i work i still work at it every day you know 
I am a real strong uh, sort of enemy within. <laughs> so I hope so. I hope I'm in that space. Build behind you to fight off all the bullshit. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, that's definitely what I'm doing. I love it, man. <laughs> What's one thing that's challenging you right now? Mm. You know, the main thing that's challenging me right now is seeing uh, really good people in, in my life, people in, in my friend circle, my family, my global community uh, that I really love and care about. Um, not being their best self, uh, being afraid, uh, and maybe not contributing, just being stuck, feeling like there's no way out. It, it hurts me to see people hurting and in pain and in, and in fear and not knowing what to do and not exercising their sovereign rights of discernment or self-cultivation. Mm. So that would be really, that helps me fuel my main mission. Mm. Wanting to, go on to help people get out of that. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Was that what you were struggling with for a long time? Was you couldn't see the light, so to speak, or you couldn't see your path? Yeah, somewhere, somewhere around the early teens in, in my adolescence, I, for whatever reason, um, was given the opportunity to you know, choose to continue doing the things that I really enjoyed, or do what I felt, you know, family and society at large had had wanted me to do. You know, just you know, forget all your artistic, self-expressive stuff, and you know, get the job and. You know, get your career going, all these things. Um, so, so that's what I did. I really sort of abandoned myself for a very long time, mm. and that was very painful, depressed kind of way to live. Was you know disavowing my own inherent nature, my own joys, uh, my own humanity, and really that was a great mistake because it it also hindered my ability to find meaning in my life because I had chosen things. I was choosing things um, that didn't really have meaning to me. Like, why the heck, why am I even doing this? And then just, you know, fueled by resentment rather than curiosity or purpose. Mm, interesting. Yeah. Man. Um, what, what does unconditional love mean to you? Oh, wow. The, the life, this, we have to be beings of unconditional love. This, this heart, if it is a symbol of love, nobody, we didn't have to do anything for this. Mm. It beats, as long as it beats, we are alive. We get to live as long as it's, it's beating. So that's a gift. I feel like unconditional love is like, that in a human experience like no matter what this person does i'm going to give them my full attention and presence and just beam that knowing that they're as just as being a human being a being a living being on this planet they were given a gift of life Mm. it's not my decision to decide for what purpose that life is but that's a gift on its own i think that's unconditional love and i think you know i've been shown unconditional love it's a i was really skeptical of that shit i'm like what agenda do you have 
you're way too freaking nice, right? Um, but these beautiful beings in my life were showing up and not just like Swami types. I'm talking about, you know, human beings who you know, stood up to communist regimes and, you know, and mm-hmm. Olympic champions and people who are just like sales people and jobs. There's some regular people going on and really do just love life mm-hmm. and will care for you and want to listen to you. Um, if someone doesn't have someone like that in their life right now, it can be disruption to meet someone like that, right? Like, what are you doing? What do you got? Um, but uh, I hope that every single person has someone in their life or something in their life, like a dog. Like the minute you get home, woo! Like it wants your attention. It loves you, right? Yeah. The dog. Great symbol of unconditional love. The dog doesn't care about what you look like, what you do. It's just like, oh, you're here with me. I just saw a dog this morning. It was like really wanted, really wanted to be with uh, her owner, her mother, her whatever, walking down the road. But mm-hmm. I really wanted this stick, and the stick was way too big to be carrying. And so it would pick it up, and it would try and 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 the, and it would like take two, three steps. It was like, no, nah. I mean, I'm talking heavy, and I'm like watching <laughs> in there with the greatest smiles on it. Like, oh my god, this dog! And then it would look at its owner, and they're just sort of like. And then I'll try the stick, grab it again. And it was just this moment of like being there, being joyful, being present. Like like the dog, like we just had smiles on our face and we were just like, we didn't care about what that dog looked like. You know, we weren't laughing at that dog. We are laughing with it. And it was just (laughs) a beautiful like experience I think animals can bring into our life to show us this unconditional love, you know. Absolutely. I just wanted to to add one little little thing here for for anybody listening is that you know i make no claims of being a man who is constantly in a state of unconditional love yeah i get angry i can get angry at the drop of the hat yeah i can you know turn you know say things that uh, are hurtful and shit like you know regret it <laughs> later and try to then do my best to make amends and get right back in, into integrity you know i have some some skills in that matter but I am not in a state of all knowing of what unconditional love is. I have to remind myself every day. It's, it's almost like a skill. It's, it feels sad to me to, to say that, you know, we humanity now, like it's a skill for us to cultivate mm. unconditional love. But holy cow. If you, um, you know, just by the act of living long enough and working towards achieving that, I can definitely tell you that I have experienced what, I feel like it's such divine love when someone feels like they're, they're hurting me for an example, to just be so peaceful and loving and accepting of this individual in a way that I would once only read about right in like these sacred texts. Um, So I'm I'm grateful that these things are sort of happening or occurring, occurring in my life. And I really hope to and admire so much the beings who are by and large in, in that state uh, moment to moment and sometimes it is just the, the the simple people who are just doing their thing out in their little block of land um living their life and they're the people that are generally the most peaceful happiest people going you know it doesn't yeah this like status title um we, we're achieving you know all these accolades being being and being okay with who you are is probably the best accolade you could probably ever have absolutely 100 percent. well said um last question for this section bro then we'll get into your personal right. story uh do you believe in a greater power aaron and what is that to you 
Yeah, I certainly do. You know, I don't control necessarily the, uh, I don't know that I asked to come into this world in this form. Okay. There was something that had this design created for me. Mm -hmm. Uh, things like Vedic astrology, human design, um, uh, you know, the, uh, genomics, these type of things, and all lead to clues as to a, a greater sort of a greater algorithm <laughs> that's at work uh, on yeah. our behalf. Yeah. Uh, so absolutely, absolutely. What is that to me? I mean, it's this. It's simply the source. I can call it the source of all. Uh, you know, the Krishna world would say it's the Godhead, the supreme, the supreme Godhead. You know, things like this. Um, or, uh, you know, there's the sort of looking at the Asian way, the, the two dragons sort of chasing each other's tail generate the energy that of the universe, right? That's cool. Um, but there's definitely something at work out there for sure. Yeah, I love that. Are you, I like how you mentioned human design. I'm, I, you know, when I found out about human design, I was just gobsmacked. I'm like, this is crazy. Uh, yeah. What human designer you? Have you been? Do you read it yourself, or do you just know? Yeah, it? I'm. I'm more of a, a, a scholarly fan, if you will. I study more of the Vedic astrology school system, which is similar to like the Mayan calendar system, almost. You know, the, it's a really ancient uh, system that just looks at the light codes that are beaming out from the edges of this universe that land on us and are in us encoded in us at the time of our, our, our birth, our, our carnation into this physical vessel. And human design is a lot like that. Um, I am a heretic hermit, mm. a uh, five one, I believe. Wicked man. Wicked. That's yeah. so interesting. What, um, what type are you? Heretic hermit. Is there your, like your generator? Oh, oh, right, right. Manifesting generator. Manifesting generator. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, got some energy in me. Yeah, I was just <laughs> multitasking. My partner's a minute man, Jen, and she's just like can go. I'm a manifester. I'm like, I've like got short bursts. I'm like, yeah, and then take right? it. Right, sprinter. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. Cool, man. Uh, let's look into your, your your personal experiences now on this on this path, man. All right. Get, get, paint a picture for me. What did your life look like? And I use these terms like the unwork as that unaware state of of Aaron and how does that compare to who you are today well uh, let me give you some examples of of stories of where I'm just asleep at the wheel okay asleep at the wheel Uh, yeah just I'm uh, sleepwalking I remember you know I was a pastry chef for about 13 years 14 years almost and during that time, I went to live and work in Paris. I had a beautiful flat, a beautiful job, uh, a woman who was very interested in me. Uh, I spent most of my time uh, at the gym playing music or in the museums, right? And uh, really just living a really beautiful life, tra- training in martial arts, super, super complete life. Um, and I really wasn't delving into my psyche, my habits, my patterns, the way I was showing up 
in the world, the way I was showing up in the world in relationship to women, in relationship to men, in relationship to business or purpose, really not even aware of all of the different facets of life, let alone doing inquiry into those facets of life. I was just living and going for it, you know, <laughs> going for it. Um, whatever it was, you know, I didn't really even know. I had some vague, vaporous, ethereal fantasy about being some kind of celebrity chef or musician or lover, just like feeling the feeling of a vision, but no real vision. One thing I was compelled to do was to do some modeling. I really thought that that would be cool, you know, to, to you know, use my body as a form of art or, or uh, expression of someone else's point of view and just to ex have that experience. And when I had decided this, it was, it was maybe, I don't know, there'll be just after winter let's say, so that sometime around the spring. And just in a couple of months, I had gotten together with uh, the, um, the sort of rival crew, um, the, the crew with, that had kind of a reputation of just like partying and sleeping with each other. That was the, um, the La Cordon Bleu school of people, right? It was kind of like the uh, fraternity, uh, yeah, yeah. fraternity side of things. So they were partying and stuff, and I, I, I hung out with them because, you know, they were a lot of fun. And one of these people, um, she suggested, she's uh, just out of the blue, seemingly, uh, one night, you know, we were at summertime, we're out there drinking and stuff. And uh, she was like, you know, you're amazing. You look amazing. I've got friends who are photographers for Men's Health Magazine. And, and you know, I'm, I'm going to go on my friend's catamaran and sail up the, the coast of the Mediterranean to Spain, where they're all hanging out and shooting photos. She's like, you should come with me. I'm sure they'd love you. You know, you'd probably be in magazines. I didn't tell her like I, that I wanted to model and things. Wow. But at that time, that was a stress on my system. I was not ready to receive that opportunity at that time. I didn't, I didn't have a solid meditation practice or an inquiry practice. I didn't really have a vision. I didn't really consciously, deliberately, in my waking state, ask for this thing to come. And so when it came, ah, I'm not, I can't do that. I can't, ah, like it was short circuit. It short circuited my system. It was too much, too good to be true all, all, all at once. And I ended up not going. I ended up coming back to the United States, which really like didn't feel good. And I was more depressed and things like this. And, uh, and there's a little bit more to that story, but I'm using that as an example of what it was like to be me and my non sort of, uh, wokish self okay uh, not 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 awake at all just yeah. unconscious overloaded with life's the gift of life's opportunity was was bringing me in relationship to my unconscious asking right yeah do you regret do you regret uh, not going on that catamaran well it's still coming up all these years later this is like let's see how long ago was that i was maybe 25 years old 42 so it's it's getting there yeah 16 17 years ago mm. uh do i regret that i don't know i don't think so anymore i think i did for a long time though you know just kicking myself for for not going uh you know if an opportunity came like that again i would um i would definitely consider it if it was in my best interest best and highest good to do so Mm, interesting it's like do you so if you look at that now have you just put more valuables um have you put more value in 
leaning into those moments coming up? Like, because really that was you just facing fear and then stepping out of it, right? And not seeing your true worth and capability and then the opportunity presents itself and you step out. Have you sort of used that experience now in your, in your life to go, I'm not doing that again? Or I'm going to... Yes, absolutely. I, I say yes much more frequently now. I definitely say no much more powerfully as well. You know, if this is not a no, I will say no. This is not for me. Thank you. Or perhaps work to create it in a time that works better for me. Yeah. Because I definitely am oriented towards service right now in in my purpose. Yeah, beautiful. So now you, different to that that guy, you know, pastry chef, Aaron, um, um, going back, not doing the modeling, Aaron. (laughs) Yeah. You now... Just briefly explain like the, the significant differences that you, you can see in yourself. Oh, okay. Well, thanks for the opportunity to, to speak on that. Right now, I practice self-inquiry every single day. Okay? Mm-hmm. I, I, I look at what's in my mind at least for some minutes. Okay, so that's become a habit in my life and I'm much more aware of my tendencies to be negative, to to berate myself, to self-sabotage, to procrastinate, uh, to feel shameful, depressed. You know, these, these, I spent decades of my life. I stacked up decades of that. So I'm very skilled at those feelings and thoughts and emotions and that whole vibration. Uh, right now I work daily to conquer them, overcome them and stoke a different vibe in my life. And that's important. It takes work, daily work discipline and it, requires that because it you know generates momentum without that we are victims of of momentum entropic momentum right i I will drag myself down um you know in in my 20s i was abusing drugs and partying and just doing all those sorts of things that were really harmful and disruptive to my system other than consciously cultivating my life and i will never go back to that place again that helps motivate me but if someone does something wrong in my life or is um, behaving in a way that's either harmful to me or harmful i'm just not afraid to speak up anymore you know there, there are times where i wonder about that but i feel like i just have more access to my balls, my spine, my belly, my heart, my mind, my whole physical vessel feels like an emanation of what I am envisioning as my highest self on a daily basis. It still takes work. It takes a, it does take work, you know, but at least even if it's three minutes some days, that's a win. And that's a win that I have to hold on to because otherwise I will, again, I'm with my mind and my habits, yeah. I, I'm probably just like 51% you know, eclipsed from my most negative self. Before, that enemy was winning. It was controlling almost every facet of my life. Mm. Um, but now I've got that edge. You know, I'm, I'm never going back to the place. Mm. I love that, man. That's beautiful. What was your biggest vice during that period? You know, back to the old, the, the old version of yourself. What, what mm. grabbed hold of you? I was like sex, drugs, and rock and roll kind of kind of man. You know, I was I was playing music. I was actually a professional musician in Seattle, and um, yeah, my uh, my biggest biggest vice is probably the uh, the idea of attraction to the ladies. Not that I ever like really made good. I wasn't sleeping around with a ton of women, right? But I was like super kind of flirtatious and just loved to sort of 
be in a tension, like, like playing the game, like that sexual tension. Mm. That was like really my, my drug of choice. Mm. Uh, and I think it really, it really snapped me, which you'll hear about maybe in a, in a minute. Yeah, yeah. And what about the emotion? Uh, and I, I can relate to that, that vice actually. That's been a big challenge for myself. What, what, what's been the biggest emotion that hit you as well in that same period? Anger, shame, guilt, fear, anxiety, sad? Mm. Wow, I think it really came, comes down to fear and and shame mm-hmm. you know like i was i was guilty and shameful for knowing that i was hurting myself and, and other people and the fear really came out as anger but at the at the root of that anger it really is just fear like that was really the driving force for all of these other negative emotions i was afraid that i was going to be found out as a fraud and as someone who was just a real piece of crap not who I said I was, not doing, you know, just not the person who I was pretending to, to be. Mm, interesting. And and was all that, were those emotions tied to you sleeping around at all? Was it tied, was it all tied to something that happened in your life, in your past, your past experience? Mm, that's a great question. Um, yes, largely due to a... Uh, a familial system that was not equipped to deal with a child who was very expressive and conscious from a young age. And I'm telling you, I have vivid memories from before I was even a year old in this life and speaking at a very early age, learning to speak out about injustices that I would see perhaps on the news, uh, the pollution, right. was a big thing for me when I was like three years old. Like, what's that? What's that? Why are we doing this? Right. Uh, And then to be shut down for pointing that thing out. It's like, Oh shit. Like I came into this place. This seems wrong. It seems wrong that we're doing this to our home. And it also seems like, "Ah, I can't even speak up about it. Jeez. Like this, this is, I must not be a good person. I must not have this figured out. Like, I don't know what I do, but they don't like me. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. How do you feel about all that now? Have you found forgiveness working on that? I still, I definitely still work on that. Yeah. Um, so I, I chose to live with my family, with my parents actually for the last few years. And um, that has been my biggest challenge. And I think biggest reward because it allows me to be with a vibration of humans who really are not on the, path of, of self-cultivation and health and, and awareness uh, in a way that that I am so there's not a great match there and it allows me to really see my own judgments my own uh, attachment mm. to negative things that has have happened in the past mm. and it shows me my growth edge where I can increase my capacity for stimulus that is outside of the realms of my own preference. Mm. So really magnifying those distortions in my life is huge. And I highly suggest this for anybody, you know, um, if they can do it in a safe way, just be around someone who irritates you, figure out what that is. I mean, ultimately they don't have to be your friend. Nobody has to be your friend or, or even, even your family, right? There's that saying that says like, uh, 
love your family, choose your peers. Okay. Um, good, good peers will, will help you come to the level of their high standards and will help you increase your standards of living. Mm. Well, most of us, for most of us, at least to, to, in my experience with working with hundreds and hundreds of, of men and women on this planet in the last five years is that most of us have family members who, who want to take us down to their low expectations mm-hmm. of life in whatever way. And they will fight for those limitations. So it's our job to, to just be a keto or judo with that stuff, to use that energy to help me maintain my standards of integrity and, mm-hmm. and then continue to raise them rather than def- like uh, blaming or, or, or attacking being defensive against someone else's own life standards. That's really a harmful thing to, to do and it causes disease. So I've learned how to deal with that. I'm still learning how to deal with that, but it's helping me become more loving, more compassionate, more patient for sure. Which, which ties into your goal. You know, how you say, what are you aiming for? It's like, that's exactly what you're looking for is more love and harmony within. And it's, I yeah. love that your, like, your mindset is, like your base level mindset is, you choose to see everything outside of you as an opportunity to grow and learn. I think that's a really fundamental core belief to have. Uh, you know, some days you're gonna you're gonna fuck up and you're gonna swear and you're gonna blame people and yeah. you're gonna project things. But it's like you catch yourself and you take back that responsibility and you take back, pull back the energy that you shot out to that person or your family member or something. You know, I can see that in you, and it's it's very prominent. And I, and I just want to honor that man. I love it. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Whose love did you crave most growing up and who did you have to be to get it? Mm, that's a great question. Wow. Who's love? Like, was it, was it mommy? Was it daddy? Was it, uh, was it the, the world? Mm, whose love did I crave most? Mm, probably most. Mm, I've done so many graphs and this does change. You know, sometimes it's mom, sometimes it's dad. When I access my inner child and I ask him, you know, what, what is that? Um, but you know, I, I was, I, I was a kid who was like left alone. My parents had to work. They were working for money and, you know, afraid of lack and all of these things. So I was left with my mom and I was left away from my dad. And at different times I would crave both of them. You know, sometimes really crave mother sometimes really craving the father probably mother more than more than father Mm. did you have to be anyone to get that oh totally yes i created this persona of like just a good kid Mm. okay and really i just wanted to like not be that good you know i wanted to do my own thing not like have to pretend to be nice or like uh, cordial or something like this thank god i had sort of surrogate mothers to to, to wrap me on the head and be like yo you're being a not not head i remember this one one lady god bless her heart she's uh not in the physical uh for some time now but uh janet uh god bless you man she was so so beautiful and she was not afraid to just tell me what an idiot <laughs> I was being, she could see right through my bullshit. Sometimes we need that, man. Sometimes we need that, you know, like just to be pushed hard and going, like, this is not you. You're not being you right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
That's very interesting. Do you feel like you still want the world to see you? <laughs> Somewhere secretly, yes. My behavior might dictate otherwise. I love to be secret and in the cave and hanging, hanging back. Um, I'm, I'm not. I don't like want fame, right? Or, or, or popularity. Um, however, I, I, I do have a desire to be known for my work mm-hmm. and for the results that I do in service to other people. I want to be known as a person. That's the person to come to when, you know, men are having issues connecting to themselves or their partner sexually or having issues that are holding them back, you know, from, from reclaiming their masculine power. Mm. Um, I, I want to be known as a person who can help people heal their bodies and, you know, not have to worry about their fucking weight or what to eat and all that bullshit. Like that's, we've got enough problems in the world. You gotta have the, the the basic hygiene, the standards of hy- hygiene. We gotta raise them, and then we've, we've gotta meet them so that we can end that sort of base anxiety, or at least you know, not have it rule our lives uh, about what we look like, or you know, this the diet and the other thing. Uh, so yeah, I want to be known for someone who's who's of service to people uh, to help them leverage their physiology to create their ideal lives for sure. I want to be known for my work in that area. Beautiful, man. Beautiful. Now, that, that said, I just want to add real quick that I do love to perform music. I do love to perform. So I, I don't know if I love to be seen, but I love to do that for other people and bring other people joy through music. And, so. and are you still performing? Are you still doing music? Uh, yeah, you know, just maintaining agility with the, with the hands, mostly. <laughs> but I, don't, I haven't performed in like 10 years. The strong? Yeah, I don't know about that either. <laughs> no, not as much as I would like. Okay. This is just something that I've sort of re, uh, uh, re-met. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it sounds like it's been a, a long-lasting passion in you, man. Maybe it's Definitely. time. Maybe it's time. Yeah, now's the time. <laughs> you talked a little uh, bit about um, the the need for, for women or the desire to be flirtatious. What what was do you want to dive into that a little bit more before we move forward? What, yeah, sure. Lying all of that. What was what was there for you? What have you discovered? Mm, definitely the there's two things. Okay, so one we already touched on. That's the desire to be um, the desire for affection from the primary caretaker. Okay, mom and and dad. And then the second one, the second motivator for that that I uncovered was that it was really an excuse to escape the shame that I wasn't leading my own life. I didn't have to face myself if I could just sort of get in with someone else, right? And be the focus of attention and help them out and help you know, discover things about them or... Uh, you know, talk about things that were cool, but kind of kind of superficial. Mm-hmm. So it helped me avoid uh, really penetrating myself into my own life and being more confidently self-expressed or authentically self-expressed for myself. Okay, interesting, interesting. Yeah. What was one of the lowest points in your life? And I ask this to every man: Was suicide ever an option? Did Ooh. that cross your mind? Oof, yeah, recently, 
So the two lowest points, the first lowest point was when I had returned to the United States. I just uh, suffered a sex injury where I was unable to perform sexually because of that. And I was being presented with surgery and all these other options that just did not really feel good to me. And um, I was in a relationship trying to hide the fact that I couldn't really have sex it was really difficult. You can imagine the strain that that put on a young person's relationship. She was like 23, I was 26 or something like this and uh, not really communicating what was really going on. I mean, that was super destructive and depressive and there was all sorts of, um, you know, just weird communication patterns and not feeling good behavior. Uh, in, in that relationship. The second lowest point was just four years ago when I experienced this really excruciating uh, break in my psyche as a result of the, the death of a teacher, the death of two people in my community who committed suicide. Uh, one, one was a good friend of mine. I lost my job. I had to move out of my house that I was living in. I broke up with this girlfriend, but it was really excruciating because this person was weaponizing uh, what she knew of my own inner workings, right? <laughs> my own sort of like weak points and the things I was working on in, in circle with other men and my coaches and my mentors. And that was too painful to take. It was like the straw that broke the camel's back. And at that point, I, I, I was considering just at, ending it and ascending to another place. I was like, this, I don't know if this is working for me. I thought that I was on the right path. Mm. Now I got to say that that though, those thoughts were in my mind, that sort of really violent, like fuck this, fuck this, get out of it. It wasn't really serious about doing that. It was more of the voice of all of the anger that I had built up from a childhood of not being who I'm supposed to fucking be. Mm. And as a result, I feel like that's why all this stuff happened because it's sort of like Kali moment, they call it where Kali comes in and just like cuts all the crap nonsense. Like wake the, wake the fuck up, you know, wake up. That's sort of like a spiritual bitch slap, if you will, deck across the face. So I had that moment and, um, you know, I, I just knew that that wasn't the option. I was like, the only way out is through, the only way out is through. So I stayed closer to my teachers and friends and was given opportunity to sit in circle with men and to lead men throughout that whole time uh, and use that really just as like a tether to help me hang on to a sense of, of purpose that I've since, you know, grown more strongly into. Wow. Thank God for those times. Mm, I appreciate that sharing that man it's funny what you said that's that's, the only way out is through that's so powerful the only way out through and just explain a little bit about that what that might mean for someone listening who might be who might Mm. into that right now yeah okay well whether or not we might like to like we're in it now or not but these cycles come uh come often if you are a student of astrology for example something a scenario is coming up where you know jupiter is going in retrograde and it's going to be in the sign of capricorn and that means that basically we've got to stoke the hope the teacher the guru planet is in a place that it doesn't like to be and it's going to be frustrated and it's going to be teaching us some lessons so 
that even like the electromagnetic currents, you know, pulses that are coming out of these uh, galactic sort of alignments, they affect our beings on this planet. So let's understand that there's forces at work that we might not be aware of, that we might not, that we might be at conflict with. And if we're aware of them, we can at least acknowledge that and say, okay, this is coming. I'm going to be with this energy rather than fight against it. Mm-hmm. So at the sort of bigger, you know, bigger vision level, like that's, that's happening around the way, only the way out is through. Because here we are on this planet, there's, you know, four fifths of this re- reality. Most of us can't even detect <laughs> right or are, are unaware of totally. that, and those are influencing our being totally man like you got to look at oh, so, <laughs> sorry just going to add this before you yeah. the northern lights like you make the invisible visible that's solar radiation you can see it at the northern lights and we think it's so beautiful but that exists that doesn't go away that's just in that moment you can see it. So that's like I just wanted to add that to your point. Keep going, sir. Right, beautiful. Yeah, it, it doesn't it doesn't go away. It's just being shown to us at this one moment. So unless you know we're um, you know radicalized or have the like a sort of religious uh, dogmatic way of thinking, where it's like I got to die before I realize heaven on earth. I'm just gonna be sort of like miserable yeah. uh, until that happens. Or, you know, like, I've got to ascend to another realm. Like, that's not the answer, mm. really. Uh, the, the solution for me is to learn more about what's going on and to ask questions like, why the fuck? Not like, why me? That sort of stuff. Like, once all the kicking and screaming is, is over with, the only way out is through. My teacher tells a story of one of his friends who did a shamanic training. And this guy was with the shamans in, in, in the jungle for years, years and years. And finally, like he kind of knew this was the last day. And his initiation was this. Okay. So after sitting with the, with the shaman, taking the medicines, doing the ceremonies, and doing the work and all of this, he, his teacher comes to him one day and says, all right, it's time to go. Come. So he goes, goes into the forest. There's a hole in the ground that's like, you know, five and a half feet deep. And the teacher says, get in. It's really small. So he has to stand up in, in this hole and he just gets in. The teacher starts to fill in the hole and just buries him. Okay. And then he goes, I'll see you in three days. <laughs> you know, whatever. Like, I'll, I'll see you later. So here he is. He's buried up to his neck on the floor of the forest i mean who knows if there's ants or whatever animals snakes scorpions who knows what's around there right but he's just got to be in there and i think life is like that you know it'll bury us to our neck in shit i mean i think it was teddy roosevelt that was like life it's one damn thing after the other so let's get ready for this ride man let's 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 do this thing and the way out of it is through it you know i Mm. I don't want to be a person that like is going to collapse, but I, I understand that we, we get to those moments that are just so fucking terrible and sad and weighty and heavy. Um, but I'm going to use those weights to go down deeper. Like, fuck it. You want me to go to hell here first before I can create my heaven? Let's figure out 
let's identify what nightmare is down there that I'm actually willing to heal mm. first. And so that I can at least begin to create the, the dream. That's where I'm at with that one. So that's yeah. and the, that, way, the only way I was through. And that's what you've learned through that experience four years ago. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would, uh, that is crazy being buried up to your neck. <laughs> right. Nowhere to go, but, but in, inward. Yeah, but within, man. <laughs> Have you ever done a vision quest or anything? Definitely. Yeah. Many, many times. Okay. And how was that? Because that's like three, four days where you just isolated, right? Yeah. Yeah. Just a little bit of water, a circle of salt out in the desert. And there's a you know, practitioner or shaman holding space. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I could recommend it to anybody who thinks they're, they're ready for that. Yeah. Because it, I mean, I definitely experienced a death. I experienced a radical detox. I do not know what sort of parasite sludge was in my gut. <laughs> for first of all, and um, yeah, just to sit with my own irritations. There's nowhere else to go. Like I just have to sit with my own right. thoughts and my own annoyances. Good on you, man. Good on you. That's, That's fantastic. I honor that. What was <laughs> What was the significant moment of awakening for you? Significant moment of awakening? Well, you know, having my penis torn away from my pubic bone, that was a wake-up call. That was like, shit, I really don't know what to do with myself or how to even relate to women. Like, what am I doing? (laughs) What am I doing? (laughs) That was a big question mark. What am I doing? Finally. Right, I was like 25 years old. What the hell am I doing? Big wake up moment mm-hmm. for me there. Mm-hmm. Uh, did I that, did have. Sorry, go ahead. What did that lead to after? Mm, suffering, misery. It, basically, it led me to being so irritated with my own ambivalence towards the things that were not good for me in life. I was like, I got, I've got to fucking do something about this. Nobody's, there ain't going to be somebody on the playground coming to save me as I'm sitting here crying. You know, (laughs) like it's not like that anymore. I'm I'm an adult man. I need to take responsibility and find out what this means. Mm, Powerful, man. What did you go on a healing journey after that? Uh, If you did, what was like the greatest modality that helped you in your journey? Mm, yeah, there was, there was a healing journey. Yoga, I moved in with a yogi, which was just fascinating. Um, I mean, thank God. You did none of this. Yeah, I, I didn't really know anything about yoga or anything. Um, part of my relationship with this woman was the suggestion that, you know, this is a shit relationship. I just had this talk. I was like, this sucks. It's been almost two years and I don't know if you're like sleeping around, you know, you're using your toys and stuff and we're not really like connecting. We're not really having great sex. I didn't still wasn't able to admit that I had this injury after, after years of being with this woman, I just tried to hide it and like be numb and like, it's not really working. Yeah. It was really terrible. She was irritated as you can imagine. So we were using drugs and like other party stuff to just kind of avoid, avoid that stuff. But uh, I was like, okay, this sucks. We got to do something together that feels good. Let's start there. She suggested yoga. I was like, you're out of your freaking mind. That's for like older women in unitards. You know, I'm not going to do this yoga thing. But I had asked for it. I was like, all right, 
I'm doing this with you. So I showed up to the class, um, but she she bailed on the, the last minute. Kidding. She bailed. <laughs> what yeah, a- and I was like, this is, yeah. I was like, all right, fuck it. I'm going. I'm going to this fucking yoga class. Like <laughs> We agreed on this, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I did. I showed up. And then he's got this harmonium. And he's chanting these, these sounds. They're like, oh, this, wow, I can feel that in my throat. It's like opening up my heart. And then uh, like I... Uh, uh, by the end of class, I had some like Russian lady's legs shoo, sticking up in the air as I'm h- holding her hips, helping her in this handstand. <laughs> it was like, finally, I get to learn how to do a handstand. I've wanted to do this my whole life. So <laughs> it was freaky. It was cool. It was awesome. And then, you know, like within two weeks, I found out that he needed a roommate because he was going through, you know, an event in his life uh, with his relationship, you know, separating from from his partner and things. And uh, um, I was like, all right you know see you later girl like i'm I'm moving in with this guy this is gonna be cool yeah. uh so i helped him do a lot of things i was sort of like the man nanny the, the the manny around the house and helping him with his kids when they would visit and uh helping him run his holistic health business that gave me like okay there's something i else here that i have access to 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 attempt to heal here that was the beginning of the of the journey so yoga helped it wasn't really until I left him after about three years um, that I did the real work for myself. Because again, like living with him, bro, that was just me continuing to enact a pattern of needing someone else to take care of my shit. Yeah. It really was because I didn't, I didn't have to do things. I didn't really even have to pay rent, right? I just had to like work in the garden and play with his kids and help him set up for class and clean the float tank and help clean around the house and help him shop. And largely it was just like a big hangout session that I, I could like a, just more avoiding, right? Yeah. But um, couldn't avoid it any longer. It was, I, had, I had to move on, so I did. And uh, – um, I ended up taking one last job at uh, in pastry as the lead baker for the base uh, in Antarctica of all places. It was like the farthest place in the world I could go to like just get away from everything, yeah. sort of be with myself, if you will. Uh, and I took my I took two yoga books, the Jiva Mukti yoga book, fantastic book for anybody interested in learning you know, what a really beautiful, wholesome, complete uh, yoga uh, sadhana or real yoga practice is all about. Uh, the Jiva Mukti Yoga book, Sharon uh, Gannon and David Life, beautiful, beautiful teachers out of, out of New York. So I took that book and I took the Hatha Yoga Pradipika, this book that has all these crazy kriyas. It's talking about like, like putting stuff in the body and moving the stomach around and churning the guts to help clean like the toxins and stimulate digestion. And that was a lot of fun. So I was experimenting with myself. And when Antarctica was finished, I took my yoga mat, my two books and my bag and I went in search of the secrets of the masters, of, of my teachers, 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 even, you know, Sharon and David's teachers. I want to know what they were learning, where they originally learned from, because I needed to heal my sex. I needed to heal my self. I needed to heal my body. I was just this wounded kind of creature, barely like surviving. Uh, and so I went to study from Taoist 
and tantric masters. I studied uh, briefly in a hill tribe in Thailand. I stayed um, and learned the healing like arts of, of the Thai people. Basically, with Thai massage, what we know of Thai massage is actually Ayurveda. It came from, mm. came from India. Father doctor of Thai, Thai medicine, as it's known. Uh, is was the physician, the personal physician of the original Buddha, Gautama wow. Buddha. So uh, that he was an Ayurvedic master, and and the Thai medicine is really really deep. It's people's medicines, medicine of the world, of the plants, of our own uh, electrical body, our emotional bodies, um, and that was really beautiful. I started to feel more alive, uh, and learning again, staying in temples in India, learning uh, different tantric methods, yogic methods, uh, Taoist sexual cultivation methods, mm. and these Thai Ayurvedic methods. Came back to the United States, enrolled in college again. I'm you know, in my 30s at this point. And a coach, I got a coach for the first time. I was like, what the fuck is this coaching thing? But I went to a men's group and this was crazy. I was able to share my frustrations with 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 this yogi, right? Um, uh, with with my own life and my my hangups on the things that I felt were harming me and these things that I was carrying around, and that blew my mind because it was the first time I was just with men after all of this accumulation of knowledge and practicing and moving and working with my body systems in a way that I really had never previously i was able to sit with men and bring that all that i had been through with to them just to get honest direct yeah. feedback from these men blew my mind so i i and enrolled with this coach i i hired this guy and it was the most amazing thing ever this beautiful beautiful man was a was a lineage holder of a tantric buddhist uh culture himself and uh, or tantric Buddhist sect, you could say, or, or lineage. And uh, he helped really helped me put all these pieces together in a way that worked for me, uh, where I stopped even messing with the feminine outside of my own self mm. and was able to work the pieces of, of what I had come up with to create a system that what I've discovered since then, you know, this was almost seven years ago, eight years ago, uh, really works for all men. It's these things that no, none of us are taught, you know? Like, just like Wim Hof, he had to go way up in the mountain of the Himalayas and learn these crazy breath techniques, right? To like learn what, what we can do to engage with systems of the body that we never thought we could before. Uh, to be resilient, mm. right? To fortify our life and mind to be more loving to be more expressive to take more stress and turn that stress into vitality even mm. these are things that that the ancient wisdom cultures of the world are still coming forth to teach us right they're actively coming even after all the rape and debasing and the violence and all the bullshit that you know the colonizers have put them through they're still approaching us with this knowledge right now and they're coming through people who have direct ancestry to the perpetrators of all that violence right which is just a miracle of its own like talk about unconditional love mm -hmm. that this this ancient wisdom just is seeded is, is like dripping with unconditional love and so i put all of that together 
and a system and it ended up working for me. I was able to command my arousal, command my own sexual principle for the very first time in my life. I had tears streaming down my face and I could really feel my masculine core again. I was able to reclaim my masculinity. And then that was kind of the easy part. Then I could really do the deep inner work, the deep inner inquiry to learn about my psyche and to see what all the bullshit was that I had been carrying. I was ready to face it mm. once, I had, once I had stoked that sort of masculine, sexual, primal drive that is within us all, right? And control and command that and not lose control or give it away to someone or try to force it onto some, somebody. I was finally responsible for my own life force energy. And that was just such a gift. What a gift. I give that to anybody, everybody. (laughs) Because the difference of who you were going into your first yoga class to like those experiences that you had, you know, living with that guy and then going down your own path is so different, so different. But it's just like you've just trickled in and, you know, you sort of were faced with something and you didn't really want to do it, but you're like, ah, I'm going to do it. And then she doesn't show up and, and then all of a sudden your path shifts from that moment, you know, and. I really love that. I love that. And I think that explains a lot of how we all end up on our journey is that it's just this one moment that trickles on to all these other events. But Mm. as you've changed through that period, how has your friend group changed? Wow. Uh, I love, I just love my friends so much. They're all around the world and I do miss them dearly at times. Um, It's limited my pool of friends. Honestly, I've become much more selective of the types of humans that I surround myself with. Mm. I mean, other than my parents, I don't want to mess with people who are, who are drinking a lot of alcohol, drinking almost any alcohol, really, because that's just not in my vibe anymore. I'm really, really selective. Um, that's, that's how it's affected mm. my friend. Not because I'm like, you know, some elitist or something, but because I really hold my own personal development high regard and it's a very very precious thing i've worked my ass off to build this person who you're talking with today Mm. and to who everyone is listening today and i really don't want anybody to mess with so it's my purpose uh to help people raise their own standards and to cultivate their own you know masculine principle within themselves to reclaim their own personal power and to begin to work with that so that we can all work together to create more love and harmony in this life. And if someone's not on that wavelength, then, you know, I'll be friendly to them. Okay. I won't be friendly to almost anybody, but uh, you know, it, it, it takes a person who has some, who really shows with their life that they've, that they've done some personal growth work to really be, be a true friend that I can trust. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and do you have any people that come to you now clients wise or you know people reaching out for help that are in that say you know they're drinking they're they and they're, and they're stuck emotionally and they come out and reach out to you and they're like can you help me absolutely yeah yeah i mean just a couple of years ago this man was off the handle using cocaine and seeing prostitutes and he had a wife and two children mm. at home and he, he he was not satisfying himself or her sexually and he was just off the rails he was like i gotta you know just in his adolescent self in his in his re- re- rebel his inner rebel his little child rebel was running the show 
but it, honestly, with with this work, it took maybe two two weeks before he was able to begin to make amends and you know sit with his family and be with his children again. After I don't know how many months he was off the rails, but this guy was out there. That's just one example, right? Mm. Um, and you able reclaiming? Hey! Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I was just gonna say reclaiming reclaiming my one's own personal power or plugging those leaks we're just leaking energy and power and vitality out once i plug those up once once people plug those up it's like holy shit i see like that was a big deal that behavior that thought that pattern um what was that the, was harm that was harmful out for that man like that you could see well he, in this case he was giving his own personal power over to his his inner child uh, you know, his, he met, he, he regretted himself. Okay. Shame is like this. Shame is like shit on your shoe. And you don't, you don't want to take the shit on your shoe. You don't take that to bed with you, but a lot of people do. Yeah. A lot of people don't even realize that like, essentially they're taking a turd with them all around and it's just like smeared and kind of smelly and it's like hanging out there um so just learning how to deal with shame and so many of us have some level of abuse uh of our sex or some suppression or repression of our sexual expression which really is uh it affects almost every facet of life right life is sex or sex in life without the union of masculine and feminine there really is no life at least not that we know of it right regardless if we're talking man or woman or just energetically uh so just 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 realizing that first of all is kind of a game changer for people but to learn how to work with shame and figure out like what is it is it was it my masculine essence or was it my feminine essence that is attaching itself to shame and how to just untangle that and not allow it into the house or at least wipe it off you know <laughs> metaphorically speaking before going to bed at night or after waking up in the morning, you know, mm. cleaning that up as a huge deal. So shame is a really strong anchor for a lot of men that I see who are um, off the rails or, or using drugs or alcohol or, or stuck in self-destructive patterns. A lot of it is just trying to avoid the shame. Mm. Amen, brother. Amen. Yeah. I, I do see that too. What part of your conscious journey are you most grateful for, man? Mm, this moment right here, my friend, I really do mean that. Thank you so much for, for, you know, just inviting me on here and for, to be able to share this with, with other, with other people who are listening. It's yeah. really such a gift. Well, it's an honor, man. I'm, I'm grateful you're here and gave me your time. And last question for you. What's one tip that you would give your old self who's just starting this journey? <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. I, f I forgot that this question was at the, was at the end. Um, <laughs> I'm laughing because uh, I, I'm thinking, I feel like there's just so much to say. I write these letters to myself and every letter, there's a little something different that comes out that I would like to say. Um, but I think if anything, it's just be prepared for people for to, that people are going to have so many ideas about how you should be and what you should do with your time. You should be unwavering 
in your choices of who you spend your time with and what you do that feels good to you because you are fucking gold and you know the answers best yourself to how to lead your own life. Mm, beautiful, man. Amen to that, brother. Yeah, amen. <laughs> appreciate, I appreciate your time. I appreciate you sharing your story, giving us your, what, you know, your tips of what you've experienced to help others going through that right now, man. So thank you very much. Absolutely, brother. Thank you so much for having me again. You're welcome, man. Thank you to everyone for listening. If you do want to reach out, please do. I love hearing it personally and how these affect you. So how these have impacted you, shall I say. So you'll see both of our Instagrams in the show notes. Please do send us a message or share this with someone who needs it. Much love. Take care. And just be I got love in my eyes bro I can't see I'm gonna be who I'm destined to be Wokeness is taking my old self away Yeah, I put love into me I'm spreading that love Yo, don't you see Grab your cacao and drink it with me Cause wokeness is taking my old self away Woke man, wokey woke man Woke man, wokey woke man Woke man, wokey woke man Bring love and just be Woke man, wokey woke man, woke man, wokey woke man, woke man, wokey woke man, bring love and just be.